From Post Media, I'm Ewan Plater and this is XY, a show about mental health in men. On today's episode, we'll be sitting down with writer and mind coach Vex King. Vex is someone I've known for a while now, and he is, in no uncertain terms, a truly unique profile. Our conversation revolves largely around the concept of what it means to be happy, and even in the hour I was talking to Vex, I honestly re-examined a whole host of behaviours that I have that aren't necessarily conducive to me living a happy life. He has had, by no means, an easy life, and it's always a pleasure to meet with men who are happy to expose their vulnerabilities and their successes. I'm sure you'll agree our conversation is very insightful. Like with every interview on the XY show, today is not to be taken as advice. This is just a conversation between two people and should be treated as such. If you are looking for some support, I've left the details of some great organisations in the show notes, including those of Time to Change. And as always, I wanted to draw attention to their Ask Twice campaign. Sometimes we say we're fine when we're really not. A simple, are you sure you're okay, can make all the difference. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Okay, we're now recording, we're on the episode, we're on air. Ah, oh, finally. I'm so excited for this episode. Man, I'm so excited to, to have you here. So we're sitting here in your kitchen. Yep. In the lovely... <laughs> as you do. As you do. I guess it would be good to, um, it'd be good to hear you, how you describe what you do now for a, for a job. I'd like to, um, if I could... I just label myself as someone that likes to help people. Someone that likes to help yeah, people. Yeah, I like to. Um, but um, obviously for clarity, you know, Vex King. So um, I'm a mind coach. I'm the author of a book called Good Vibes, Good Life, which came out on December the 4th of 2018. Indeed. Um, and also a lifestyle entrepreneur, which basically means I built a business around my lifestyle rather than building a lifestyle around my business. Could you talk a little bit about what that um, means? Because it sounds great, but I'm not actually sure I fully understand what a lifestyle entrepreneur yeah, so really is. You'll find that a lot of lifestyle entrepreneurs um, tend to be bloggers or vloggers. Okay. So they'll record their life. Um, so you've basically monetized... What, who you are and what you want to do, you've been able to turn that into a brand. Yeah, so I decided to start um, a positive platform called Bon Vita Style, um, which kind of translates to, so Bon Vita translates to good life. So Bon means good in French and Latin means uh, life in Italian and Latin. And um, I just wanted a kind of a hub for positivity so people could find articles and um, videos that would kind of inspire them and encourage them to live that kind of good life or their desired lifestyle and yeah I just managed to turn it into a business I was posting articles to be fair for myself just to keep myself positive and then you know I saw an opportunity to kind of monetize and since then you know we've released bracelets so it's um yeah it's turned into a a viable business now that's amazing and um so I guess at the core of what you just said there is about making people happy and you've said that you're a mind coach but, um, and we will talk about the book shortly, but you know, it's, you're very open about the fact that life was not always, I don't want to say it's easy for you to be happy, yeah. but to look at you, it seems like you make being happy easy. You know, I think we've known each other for quite a while now, yeah. the way you carry yourself is, um, it's got a real effortlessness to it. But yeah, I guess it could be great to get a little bit of your background just to understand and for listeners to understand how you arrived at, um, what it is you do today. Because when I heard your um, story, I was like, Man, it takes a lot to um, start there and get to where you are now. Yeah, I think when I tell people about my past, they're like, really? Because it doesn't, it seems like you were unaffected your whole life and you're born into positive circumstances. But um, just to give a very brief background. So um, my dad basically died when I was six months old. So my mom was still fairly new to the country. Um, life was a struggle and after that experience, I think we were roughly homeless for around three years. So we were jumping from hostels, hotels, mm-hmm. and living with family. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even after that, you know, my mom had a, re- um, a working relationship with another family member who turned out to be quite abusive. Mm-hmm. So we lived through that. And then finally, when we were able to move away from that and get our own council home, um, I was in like the most racist area going. So I'm a British born Indian. Yeah. But um, our house was next to a bunch of teenagers. So I think there was like 10 people literally living in that home. And every night they'd get drunk, they'd play loud music 
and then they'll start knocking and banging on our windows, telling us to go back to our own countries. And I remember once we had this washing machine outside that we wanted to get rid of. And, um, yeah, they put like a firework in it or something and it just exploded. And, you know, I was still like a really young kid. Um, and all these events were quite traumatizing. So for me, I really wanted to kind of escape that misery, that lifestyle, um, and just wanted to seek a way out. So, you know, I really wanted to heal the emotional wounds I'd gotten throughout my life so I could experience more joy. And at that age and at that stage in your life, were you conscious of, because those, those two terms feel to me like very um, self-conscious terms in a good way, you know, like you're yeah. aware that that's what you wanted to seek out. But at the time, were you conscious that you wanted to experience more joy and you wanted to heal that trauma? Or how did it feel at the Yes, yeah, so I, w- I probably wouldn't have labelled it trauma. I just knew I wanted to to feel good. I was always, I think I've always be, been quite consciously aware of yeah. my surroundings, of myself, how I'm feeling. Um, and I think that's kind of worked to my advantage. Do you but, think you were born with that? Or do you think that's like a learned ability? Because... I think that's so important for people feeling happy as a self-conscious, yeah. a self-awareness, you know? I think, I think it's, I've always questioned things and I think that's where it's come from. Like, why yeah. do I feel yeah. how I feel? Why is this happening to me? Yeah. If there's a so-called God, why am I going through this? I've yeah. questioned everything. And I think that's where this self-awareness kind of comes from. So I think maybe I was born, you know, with a, bit of higher self-awareness than maybe others but I think I've developed it throughout my kind of my life of my journey and I think when you experience so much pain it kind of propels your growth I think I think you know people say um what doesn't kill you makes you stronger I think like what doesn't kill you actually makes you mature really fast because you're forced to grow up you know my dad died when I was six months old and I was kind of man of the house or yeah. I was, you know, seen as man of the house. Straight. You didn't have t- time or the luxury to enjoy a childhood no. the way that a lot of people do, the way that I did. You know, yeah. You had to like a lot grow of, up. Yeah. And, you know, when you love people, it's like, for example, my family, you want to protect them. Yeah. So here I am, a very young kid um, in a very racist neighborhood. And even actually before we got our council estate, even before that home and we were in hostels, you know, we were living like, I can't even explain it. It was horrific. You know, we'd walk in in the middle of the night and there'd be all these strange characters lurking around. There'd be blood everywhere, glass everywhere. We'd hear people getting beaten up in the middle of the night, people screaming. Like it was just horrific. And I was scared, but at the same time, I felt like I needed to protect my family from whatever was going on on the outside. And that just makes you grow up. you've got no choice and I literally felt like I had no choice I had to grow up and I suppose because I wanted a way out so badly I kind of turned to different avenues and for me personal development or personal development books was like one of the key things for me that changed my kind of entire life yeah and when did um when did the kind of healing process for you begin because as you say you went through some trauma, you know, some yeah. elongated period of, of real um, not nice yeah. stuff in life. But when did you start to feel like you were addressing that trauma in yourself? I personally think it was probably when I was about 14 or 15 years old. When I went to high school, I think I became a little bit quieter. Um, and I think it, life just, just didn't feel good. I just felt like I was just used to, all I saw was pain and suffering in my life, like constantly. And I just felt like, you know, I had to do something about it. Um, And the internet was, I'm going to sound quite old now, but the internet was kind of rising at that point. It's impossible (laughs) to talk about the internet without sounding old. I know exactly. I know, like 56k, basically, I started using the internet. (laughs) Yeah, I started using the internet. I turned and I was like, oh, what's this wonderful tool? Which at the time meant nobody could use the telephone. Yeah, when you couldn't, yeah, like I did. I was on the internet and my mom would pick up the phone and be like, Mom, I'm using this. Like dial up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, the, um, that great time. But, you know, I started um, I started reading forums. I started, I can't even remember what I typed. I don't, I don't even remember. It was Google. It was like, it might have been Ask Jeeves, I think it was. Man, 
that's some kind of throwback. Yeah. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. Do you I think remember I that been... guy? Yeah. You could ask him anything. Yeah, and he was like bigger than Google. Yeah, he was. He was like... He was a man. It was like that mad red yeah. and white. I wonder what he's up to now. <laughs> I wonder who Jeeves actually is. I wonder who Jeeves was. Yeah. R.I.P. Ask Jeeves. Yeah. Anyway, but, so um, you, you got on there. Yeah, I got on there and I, I can't remember what I first typed. Um, I must have typed something like you know, change my life around or something. Or, yeah. Jeeves, how do I change my life around? And I ended up strolling across forums and people discussing books that were really influential. And I think one of the first books that came up was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I was never a reader. And people don't believe this because like, you know, now I've probably read over a thousand books. I try and read a book a, a week if I can. Wow. There's a point where I was reading a book a day. I had a lot of time on my hands, obviously, but, um, yeah, I was never a reader, like to the point where in school we had to do book reviews and I'd make up the whole review. I'd I'd read the first page and the last page. You just hated. Yeah, I, I was never a reader at all, yeah. but I decided I really wanted, to, when you want something bad enough, you do something that's a little bit uncomfortable, something that you don't like. And that's what I did. I, I kind of stuck it out. I read this book and, you know, my mind started changing. Yeah. And with every single line I was reading, it was kind of reconditioning my mind. Yeah. And I knew that to change, and it sounds so logical now, but to see a positive life, you have to have a positive mind. Even if we think about that rationally or logically, you know, if you're thinking that your life's great on the outside, it's going to feel great on the inside and you're going to start defining your life as being a good life. And I knew I had to change the mindset, but I think that's the toughest challenge, actually yeah. changing your mindset. So it started around that age. And then I guess it's just progressed since then because I've had ups and downs, like a lot of ups and downs since then. I think that's, that's one of the questions I've got is you, um, in a similar way to I'm always surprised when I hear that a doctor smokes. It's, yeah. it's tough to sometimes imagine someone like yourself who professionally works in um, life coaching and so, some form of mental health, you know, and has, has published a book on um, the ability to feel happy and stay positive it sometimes becomes difficult to then imagine you having a bad day or it sometimes becomes tough to imagine you feeling sad or being a dickhead or, you yeah. know, but um, what, what does a bad day look like for you then? I, I, the thing is, I do get bad days every now and again. Sometimes I just feel a little slumped. Sometimes it will be that I'm uninspired and some days it'll be, you know, I've got a lot of backlash maybe on social media and sometimes it does make you question yourselves. I get less bad days than I used to. Okay. Put it this way, 365 days in the year, I used to have 365 bad days, I think, back yeah. in the day. Um, and then it kind of reduced. Oh, and can it's, you look at it like that? You know, you actually just... It's like... you when you, up. Yeah, it's like your whole life then suddenly becomes this extended bad day. It becomes a bad life. Yeah. Um, and things have improved, you know. And now, you know, it's almost the opposite. I kind of... I think bad days are rare for me, yeah. but I'm only human and there will be things because, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like no one's, unless you're like a monk that's been meditating for years upon end, I don't think no one's ever completely free from emotional wounds. I think we're all being challenged. If you think about it, every single day you wake up and life's almost trying to knock you off course. Yeah. You go to work and someone might be in a bad mood and they try and kind of pass their pain on to you and yeah. they try and make you feel bad. Like it's just very normal. So there's always triggers, I think, around. And that's why in my book I talk about having or building almost a routine that keeps you on course. Yeah. Building positive lifestyle habits, nurturing positive relationships. Um, well, this is, this is something I actually wanted to pick up on was um, routines for me are something that I've had a real love-hate relationship with. Right. I know that some friends have had that too, but you speak about having mental, physical and spiritual habits. Yeah. Um, and I'm using the word habit interchangeably with routine for the purposes right, of this. Right. Do tell me I'm wrong. No, 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 but, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, but I guess it'd be great to understand why you feel that building those routines and habits is integral to um, thinking positively and feeling happy. Yeah, I think, put it this way, um, I remember reading a bunch of books on um, kind of mind, body and spirit. And every single book said, you know, start counting your blessings. When you start counting your blessings, you're going to have more blessings to count. And I think with happiness, you can't be happy um, without gratitude 
and you can't be miserable with gratitude in your heart. Okay. Okay. I think when you start counting your blessings on a daily basis, your mind automatically looks for the good in every situation. And what I'm trying to get at here is anything you do repeatedly then becomes a part of your nature. Yeah. And that's why routine and habits are so important because you can feel good for a day, right? You could do, you could have the perfect routine for a day. Yeah. You know, you could wake up early, you could meditate, you could put on positive music, you can start counting your blessings, journaling, whatever a good day would look like, a good routine would look like. And then the next day, you might slip into bad habits again yeah. or habits that don't empower you. And once you slip into those bad habits, it's hard to form that consistency with the positive routine. And when you don't have consistency, nothing sticks. Yeah. Right. It's almost like if you think about it in terms of a sport, when a basketball player makes the same shot over again and again and again, and he just stays there and he keeps making that shot, yeah. he'll make that shot until he can't get that shot wrong. Yeah. So when he goes into the game, he'll just naturally, it'll just go into the hoop. Because off it, his hands. Yeah, yeah, so everything's about conditioning, I feel. And I feel like forming habits or some kind of routine conditions you. And especially when it's a positive routine or a, posit- or a bunch of positive habits, it conditions you to live a positive life. And that's yeah. why positive lifestyle habits is so integral, I think. And uh, Listening to you talk now, it makes so much sense because actually the difference between a good day and a bad day for me is very often not um, because of an action that I've created so I can have like a really good day yeah and then the next day have a really bad day but the bad day might be because of how I react to an email that I've got or my train could be cancelled or I lose my oyster card or whatever the case may be and then it and then you know it's I'm having a bad day not because of what I'm doing but because of things that are happening to me whereas I guess what you're saying is if you create these habits of counting your blessings and engaging activities which are good for your mental health yeah then you're taking control of your own happiness you are and um like for example morning routine so important if you start the day right you set the tone for the rest of the day if you woke up you know when people say you know i've woken up on the wrong side of the bed if you woke up and you didn't have that positive morning routine if something like you losing your oyster card does happen then it's more likely to make you feel bad than good but for example if you woke up and you woke up on a high, you know, you woke up to some positive music and you started your day right, you were feeling good and then you went out into the world and you lost your Oyster card. It may make you feel a little bad, but not as bad as yeah. if you woke up and you didn't have that routine that kind of empowered you and gave you that boost in the yeah. morning. I think that, um, I think a lot of what you're saying as well is there's sometimes an, um, a lack of awareness yeah. with people, including myself, about why you're feeling in a bad mood. So sometimes I'll find myself walking to the train station and I'll be like really angry about the day ahead. Yeah. I have no idea, but it is just one of those, I've woken up on the wrong side of the bed yeah. kind of vibes where I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm having a shit day already and I've not even yeah. started work yet. Whereas, yeah, I guess if you inject more of like a positive, a proactive positive attitude into your morning, you can um, try and stave that off, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think um, you, you almost, almost have to always feed yourself positive yeah. energy. And I think... This is what's kind of lacking in that kind of think positive world is people always tell you to think positive. They tell you to love yourself, but they don't tell you how to achieve it. Yeah. And that's why I felt like I had to write my book. And also I just want to make clear that it's okay to, you know, you could be doing everything right and you could still have a bad day and that happens and it's completely normal. You shouldn't punish yourself for it. You shouldn't, you know, make yourself feel even worse for it you're just human at the end of the day to to go back to actually how I started talking about habits that is exactly why I have this love-hate relationship with the idea of a routine or a habit is because I can create this amazing routine where I get up early um uh have my coffee go to the gym start work listening to my music and being so productive but then if I fall out of that habit I become so um I don't know, angry at myself and I'll start chastising myself, which is why sometimes I'm like, oh, habit actually, the breaking of a habit can cause me to spiral into a really negative mental place. It's strange because... You feel like you're letting yourself down. Yeah, and it just makes you feel worse. So your absence of your routine makes you feel bad and then you punish yourself for it, which makes you even feel even worse. And it's crazy to think about it because you're actually punishing yourself twice now. For Yeah. Yeah, so for me, it's just like, okay... 
I think admitting to it that, oh no, I haven't followed my routine and I feel bad and just being aware and then just getting on with things and picking up again is fine. Yeah. You know, you don't need to punish yourself for it. You don't need to make you feel, make yourself feel worse than you already do. You just observe and then you think, right, okay, I've, you know, I need my routine to feel good again. So I'm just going to pick up, pick it up tomorrow. And that's it. You just get on with things. And it doesn't I think, need to be. Uh, yeah, you don't. Are. I think we sometimes over dramatize things and we sometimes make ourselves worse than we need to i think we just need to observe not judge ourselves and i think this is this comes a lot with spiritual growth is to observe something be aware of something for example be aware of a problem and then straight away i'd always say this to people is that work on the solution because we spend so much time thinking about problems and going over the problems in our minds but we're not spending our energy on the solution so once mm. you've identified the problem you've identified that without your routine you don't feel well work on the solution what's the solution get back into your routine yeah. you don't need to stay focused on the problem and you don't need to criticize yourself for creating that problem why do you think we do that as people why do you think we're so predisposed to think about the um the issue as opposed to the solution because it it feels counterintuitive evolutionarily you know it feels weird that the mind would want to do that i don't know sometimes i feel like it's a comfort thing. So I, I, I was literally about to use the same word. Sometimes when I'm feeling low, I actually don't want someone to make me feel better. Like yeah. I'm actually enjoying just stewing over and going round and round on the negative thought. Yeah. And sometimes I think we, sometimes I think we're just used to that. And sometimes we, sometimes, you know, and I'd admit this myself, I used to do things for attention. I wanted people to know that I was feeling low. So they yeah. gave, gave me love. But yeah, I sometimes, I think it's just, a comfort thing you just get comfortable in your misery yeah and then you do things to make you feel more miserable and yeah. you become so comfortable with it but the, the only problem is you dig yourself into a deeper negative rut yeah and the deeper you go the harder it is to climb out so, because you might be like okay i'm ready to climb out now but you're so deep in it just becomes so much the effort to then get yeah. back to the start of a good day yeah because you start climbing up and you think actually i've got so, so i've got so far to go i just can't be bothered and then you go back to your comfort zone which is the misery almost and then it's linked it's linked in a big way as well to the whole if if i was to um phone you up and say oh vex i'm having a really bad day like i feel really shit about myself um i'm feeling really upset um if you were and you said why and i said i I broke my routine i didn't go to the gym if your response was well i just go to the gym then problem solved be like okay well you don't really get it like i kind of wanted to like yeah and i think you and that's a specific issue that you know men have is sharing um, emotions without there necessarily needing to be that solution like I don't need you to tell me to go to the gym or eat healthier like I'm already focusing on what the problem is and I know what the solution is but I'm focusing on the problem so I just want to engage in a bit of a conversation with someone about it yeah it's, it's kind of strange that men are almost told to just mask their emotions and yeah. not talk about them and just get on with things and I think what you've actually said is really important, whether you're male or female, if someone confides in you, be empathetic and kind before you try and offer them a solution. And sometimes you don't need to offer people a solution. You just need to be there for them. You just need to listen to them. I think sometimes that is the best solution, just listening to people. And then maybe sometimes opening them, opening them up to a solution and say, well, you know, have you tried doing this? Just show that you care. And I think men need to do this for other men too, is that, if a man comes with a problem, you know, be empathetic. Yeah. Show that you care. You know, men are human at the end of the day. I, I, I don't know if there's data on this, but I definitely feel like at least apart from the societal piece of masculinity and having to be a man or whatever, that definitely has caused a bit of the reason as to why men suffer mental health issues at such an alarming rate. But I definitely think there's a piece of men needing to be more solution orientated i think we find it really difficult sometimes to be that empathetic shoulder to cry on or sounding board yeah we sometimes want to have a solution yeah which makes us bad listeners um and and not not very open emotionally to hearing people's problems because we just want to fix it um it's it's like death you know i think that the reason that being there for someone who's experienced a, a tragedy in the family or a death of a loved one or a friend is really hard because there isn't a solution, you know? No. Um, and when you can't offer solutions, I think it, it can be quite an uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is it's about leaning into that. You don't need to provide a solution. You can just 
be there for them exactly just physically be, and emotionally just be there i think what you're touching about the kind of the masculine and feminine side so in the kind of spiritual new age world you know there's this idea that all men and women have masculine and feminine qualities yeah. and you know when we think of masculine and feminine we always assign them to gender yeah but this is kind of deeper this is kind of on a kind of an energetic spiritual level yeah. and you know the the feminine quality is quite intuitive whereas the masculine's action-led yeah i think what you were saying is that men just feel like they need to find a solution yeah is, exactly that. you know yeah, yeah. We, we kind of so in tune with the the masculine kind of side but we have to realize that we do have this fe- these feminine qualities to us and we just need to tune into them we don't have to constantly prove no. that we're these macho men that can find solutions that can fix every problem because sometimes the fix is just being there some for someone just showing that you care just you know helping people kind of bring out their emotions and if they want to cry and just be that shoulder to lean on sometimes that is all you need to do that's all you need to do i think that um that machismo piece that you've just touched on it comes into a conversation around masculinity um, that I actually wanted to have with you as yeah. well because that's been a full circle journey for you too where you've said before that in your youth you were a very angry kid yeah and you've even used the word vengeance before where yeah. you felt just this rage of life wasn't fair or whatever the case yeah. may be but how did you go from being this young man with what sounds like quite like a, an aggressive anger problem to being way more content with who you are I think just being honest with yourself I knew that my anger was a defense against pain. So for example, you know, I'd play outside um, and then kids would come um, across to me and they'd be like, you know, go back to your own country. You don't belong here. You shouldn't be playing outside. And I felt like they, I had a right to play outside, which I did. Yeah. Um, and that they shouldn't be able to dictate what I can and can't do. And then, you know, sometimes they'd like take my ball, for example, and then I'd chase them, I'd get my ball back and then they'd all start, you know, shouting more abuse out and then I'd put my ball away, I'd go inside, put my ball away and I'd come back and I'd be hurt by everything that they were saying and then I'd just end up fighting them all. And yeah. luckily, you know, I had this immense willpower so a lot of the times, even if there was three or four kids, I'd kind of get the better of them yeah. but then what would happen would be that they'd call their older brothers or other yeah. siblings and then suddenly it was me against like 10 kids. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, they'd you like, get hurt. Yeah, they'd beat the crap out of me. So, you know, my reaction was because I felt pain, but then it just led me to more pain. But yeah. this time it was physical pain. So I had emotional pain and then I had physical pain. And that's what my anger was. And my anger wasn't doing anything positive for me. And then, you know, as I started reading, I just realized that this anger, all it was doing was not only creating more pain, but it was, it was making me lose out on this precious thing called happiness this joy yeah and i had to do something about it so i started pausing every time i wanted to react and i think people don't realize that if you just pause for 15 minutes and then react after your reaction would be completely different because your mind's wired god i can't tell you how many times i've sent an email or a text message where i've seen the message come through and then just responded in the heat of the moment and just been like why are you being a dickhead? Yeah. Like, why are you... We, we, we're almost wired to react emotionally mm-hmm. rather than respond consciously. Yeah. Your destiny is always in your reaction, not in the circumstances. And I think this is so important. Okay. You know, there's this story where, um, and I don't know exactly how it goes, but I'm just going to kind of massage it a little bit. But, you know, there's two kids and they're born from the, the same father... Um, and one goes on to become like the pillar that his community and the other becomes um, like really abusive, goes to jail, becomes, you know, he's an alcoholic. And someone asks them like, you know, what made them that, that particular way? And they both say it was their father because their father was aggressive. He was abusive, but someone wanted to change for the better and the yeah. other used it as an excuse and I suppose I had to be aware of that and think, right, what do I want actually, what do I want my life to look like? And how yeah. do I need to change to create that life? Mm-hmm. And it's be- a really good point, actually, that your circumstances influence where you're going, but they influence it in the direction you decide to go. Yeah, because at the end of the day, 
everyone has a choice, right? Yeah. You can choose to respond in a different way. You know, there's that um, there's that quote. Oh, good. I'm, I'm so bad at you know quoting quotes. I mean, word you for know word. so many of them, so it's fine if you but, can't remember um, them all. You know, you can't control the winds, but you can adjust adjust your sails, right? Yeah. So th- that kind of applies in life. That I can't choose all my circumstances. I couldn't choose that. You know, I was born into that poverty. I couldn't choose my dad dying at such a young age. I couldn't. You know, I was grateful that I actually just had a home and I couldn't choose my neighbors as such, but I could choose how I responded to the people that were trying to hurt me. I could choose how I responded to certain circumstances. And once I started choosing my responses and started making more empowering choices, everything started to change. And it's so crazy that, you know, you don't see it straight away, but eventually you look back and you're like, wow, actually, think about it this way. If you were a ship, right and you're going to your destination if you change your course slightly by say one degree so almost in the slightest way you would end up in a completely different destination yeah right you could even end up in a completely different country yeah right but if you stayed on course and you just, you know, you didn't change at all and you just carried on going straight, you'd get to that other destination that you were supposed to go to. And it's almost like your choices. If you change your choice, just one choice, you'll end up in a completely different place. If you constantly yeah. make empowering choices throughout your life, Even guess at what? the time, you don't really feel like you're going in a different direction. Yeah. To use your analogy, the ship is, over time, going to be in a very different location. Exactly. And it's much easier to respond emotionally, I think. It's so much harder to just pause and be like, wait. I mean, it feels more validating and more satisfying at the time in a a really toxic way, to be quite honest, to react emotionally and to react angrily at times. Yeah. Because you kind of think, well, how dare you? Like, don't speak to me like that. Or I want to get the better of you. Or I want to prove that I'm stronger. I I, I want to do this. I want to do that. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you just have to remind you that I want to be happy. And these choices that sometimes that we make aren't choices that are going to help us find that joy. They might make us feel good for a moment, but then, you know, we're just going to sink back down. It's like we inflate our egos for a moment. When I, when these kids shouted abuse at me and, you know, I'd beat them up, I felt good for a moment. But then... Because you'd established your strength. Yeah, and, you know, like, I, I feel like I've got one better on them. But then their brothers would come and, you know, they'd beat me up and then it'd be like, well, now I'm feeling rubbish again. And sometimes, actually, you know, I remember punching a kid once and, um, you know, he started crying and I asked him if he was okay. I felt so bad. <laughs> I said, actually, I don't actually feel good. I've, I've actually really hurt this kid. I think we are loving human beings and what... When we're hurt, we just want to pass that pain on to other people. Yeah. But we just end up... I would agree with that. I don't think that... um, Even if people don't admit it, I don't think that an act of violence or aggression ever makes someone feel truly good about themselves. No. I don't... I I really don't. I think even people that are engaged in violence um, throughout their entire lives, if you're in a gang culture or something like that, I really don't think that um, it does make you feel good. Yeah. Despite what you maybe show off... um, yeah, most of yeah, most of it is to do with power. Like I used to, I wasn't in a gang as such, but um, you know, I was kind of a, a newer gang basically, and you know, they kind of had my back with a lot of things and somewhere you, you shouldn't have been probably. Yeah, yeah. and it, you know, I, I actually made friends with these guys because I felt like they could protect me from certain people and things yeah. that I was going through at the time, and it, it, was, it was a support structure as well, which yeah. is quite often why these. Um, gangs form I guess is because it's providing you with what you believe to be safety and community exactly. and friendship and camaraderie and yeah and also like you know going on the streets and being an associate being associated with this gang makes you feel good it makes you feel yeah. like you're something or someone and it makes people fear you and then it's that, that power that ego trip that you have but you know some of the things I witnessed them do it was like that was traumatizing itself so yeah. then I kind of like I was adding to my trauma almost seeing yeah. things and it, I, I just knew it wasn't right. So yeah, it's crazy. The things we do. Absolutely. I think as well is that a lot of, uh, for guys comes back to this feeling of not wanting to be weak or failure. And, um, it's hard to talk about failure without, um, I find it hard to talk about failure without contradicting myself because I think that something that, um, 
we could all be better at, but I think men are particularly terrified of is failure and how we don't look at, um, it, say, for example, say you start a business and that business fails. Yep. How is that not a failure? You know, how do you, how do you view that almost from a removed perspective and say, well, I tried, it didn't work, you know, it's, yeah. whereas for guys, I think that we, we don't always look about it um, don't look at it as the journey we kind of look at it as oh this is fucking shit i've ruined my life like yeah i'm so embarrassed you know yeah um why do we have this knee-jerk reaction and or why do we have this such fear of um being weak and failing you know this we've we've been taught as as kids almost and you know it's changing now but we're we're almost taught that you know med men are the, the breadwinners they go out they make things happen they protect people you know, they're basically the people that kind of have to try and get everything right and yeah. provide for the world almost. That's what we are. We, you know, we, we go out there and we get things done. And then when things don't go right, we automatically label ourselves as failures. But, because we've gone out into the world with this yeah, conception. Yeah, and we, we feel like we're letting everyone down, not only ourselves down, but everyone else down. And yeah. then I think sometimes failing makes you feel less of a a man right because suddenly you know you've been taught that to be a man you have to achieve great things you have to go out you have to provide for your family and then when you fail or when when something wrong happens something happens that doesn't uh, align with success you think oh my god I've, i've failed not as just a person but as a man i'm no longer a man you've yeah. almost taken away your kind of your gender your label and you're like, oh no, like I don't feel like a man now. And then you punish yourself for it. But for me, I think you don't know what success looks like unless you go through failure. So yeah. it's just, you know, like there's this law and it's called the law of polarity. And it's almost like you don't know what cold is unless you've experienced hot, right? Yeah. You don't know what on is unless you know what off is, yeah. right? So how can you know what success looks like if you haven't experienced failure? So the simple way for me to kind of address this is that just label your failures feedback because that's all it is. Yeah. You know, it's a bit of perception you have on it as opposed to. Yeah. Because even when now, when people say, you know, like, how are you so wise? And, you know, I never kind of claim that I'm wise or anything, but I've carried my wounds as my wisdom. Yeah. So I've had to go through heartaches and pain and failures to know how to create a more empowering and successful life. And that applies with anything, even in relationships. You know, we have to go through almost a bad ex. And I think nearly every single person has gone through an ex where things haven't gone right to know what we actually want in a partner and what we're looking for and what a good partner actually looks like. And, you know, the same applies for every single thing in life. Like every single thing that you experience that doesn't go right, it's just feedback. It's just telling you, something a lesson it's a either a blessing or a lesson that's that's with everything in life but you know it's teaching you something so you just take the lesson and you just carry it forward and with business you'll find that you know you won't get things right there's i don't think any businessman's got everything right in one go and even if they have you know they might start another business or they might start something else and that might fail as such yeah like you know richard branson he's one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world but you know, Virgin's been known for its bad traits. I don't see and, so much Virgin Cola anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, for one, I actually liked Virgin Cola, but, Man, you know, it didn't. Yeah, I, actually, I heard him talk about that once, and he said that Coca, the total side note, but apparently um, Cola, yeah. out of all the different business worlds that he's gone into, Cola was the hardest, because he was like, you have no idea how fucking hard the big boys in that game play. Like the Pepsis, imagine. the Coca-Cola, like supermarkets not taking phone calls from Richard Branson, you know, because yeah. they've got guys at the other companies being like, don't touch it. If you touch it, like we'll pull out of your store. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, That's I've never power. seen a hustle like it. You think like Richard Branson's got power, but yeah, you think he could like, <laughs> but it's like we, when you think of cola, you only think of Coke and yeah. Coca-Cola. I actually, again, total side note, but I was having that conversation as you do. If you could own any company in the world, what would you own? And my mate was like Coca-Cola. And I was like, why? He's like, so Apple's bigger, Microsoft's bigger, whatever but you can go to the remotest Polynesian island yeah, and there's a Coca-Cola machine. They have it, yeah. Like, everybody knows. Everybody knows yeah. it. 
It's the it's the I would say it's the most universal trademark like ever. Everybody knows what Coca Cola yeah, is. Yeah, everyone knows it. But then, like you said, like Richard Branson re- released his own like line of cola, and you know, yeah, he had to pull out, and nobody would call him a failure. Yeah, yeah, no one would call him a failure. And um, that's the thing: people can people can be quick to forget your failures when you know you learn from them, and then yeah. you reach more success in other areas. No one cares about the failures in the past. You know, they just and you can change tack, change direction. Exactly. At any point, I think. Um, I think speaking of changing tack and changing direction, and I think um, speaking of a shift in career, what you do now is not your first success. So you actually had a great success in the music industry prior to um, what you do now. Yeah, I, I didn't do too bad. <laughs> you didn't do too bad. You worked with some pretty big names, um, and the way that I understand it, you, you got pretty far along with some pretty big labels, and then decided that you just didn't want to work in the music industry yeah. anymore. You just wanted to pull straight out. What, um, could you tell us about that journey in music for you and why you kind of reached your peak and then decided to call it a day? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was always at 15 actually. It was the same time I kind of turned to self-development. Um, I found an interest in making music, producing music. I had, you know, I had this computer. I loved music. I loved listening to music. And I realized that, you know, there's different software where you can actually make beats or instrumentals so you know I I tried some out and went into school and I took one um and showed all my friends and they're like oh Vex that's amazing man you need to make more so I carried on making music and I didn't think nothing of it I had a massive passion for music but I didn't think nothing of it and then I think it was at was it 16 or 17 I had my first song on BBC Radio One Extra (sighs) and it was a massive thing you know being in school and then being on radio at the same time and it was like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I was deal. like, I was the man in, yeah, in school, and then you know, I was, and then people started contacting me via the internet on different websites um, and asking for like collaborations. And I was like, wow, people actually want to put their vocals on my beats. This is amazing. And then I continued the journey, and I always thought, you know, I'm going to become a music producer. That's going to be my full time thing. But at the same time, I was told that I needed to go to university and get a, you know, a secure job. So I went to university as well at the same time. Okay, yeah, finished university, still had that corporate job, but my music was going really well. So I was working with quite a few big acts in the UK and the US and actually in other countries too. But I just, I don't know, I felt like something was missing. I actually had a MySpace page many years ago. Who didn't? Yeah, MySpace. God. Do you still have MySpace? Like, do you I think my page might be up, but I've, I've not checked it for probably a decade man myspace did me a total to just interject quickly myspace did me a solid recently because they lost a bunch of accounts oh, wow. and mine got deleted and thank god it did because i didn't know the password and if people find my myspace oh no it's a blessing always, in disguise oh when i saw like the headline like myspace messes up and deletes user accounts i was like thank god anyway back to you oh, maybe they've deleted mine as well i, I literally have no idea you can but hope but yeah my myspace you know i my so in my, on MySpace, I was like, the, they used to have MySpace charts and I'd always be the number one unsigned or independent yeah, artist. They and did it, have that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And it'd bring me so many traffic and so much attention and things were going really well. Like, I can't remember the point I was actually making link to MySpace, but anyway, there's a lot of attention. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's it. So on MySpace, you could kind of have like mini blog posts. Yeah. I can't remember if they were called bulletins or not. Now, I think bulletin was a message you sent out to all your followers, but there was like a little yeah, blog section. This rings a bell, yeah. Yeah. And I wrote one saying more than music. And my whole idea in life was to kind of empower people and change people's lives. And I thought I would be able to achieve this through music. And although I love music and everything was going well, I met up with quite a few major labels and they offered me deals. But, you know, I think I was... I was talking to one of the biggest labels in the world and I always felt like music was the thing that was going to kind of be for me. I thought, you know, music was the end goal. And as I was getting offered this deal, I just had this light bulb moment and my, it's weird. I kind of went through my whole life in my mind and I just realized I wanted to do more. Like I, I I felt like I had a purpose for living and it wasn't music. Yeah. And it sounds so strange when you think about it. Like you've been working throughout your your whole life for this thing. Well, not your whole life, but since the age of 15 anyway. Um, And, you know, you think, yeah. And at the same time, you know, I was kind of attached to my ego. I wanted to be almost rich and famous. I wanted to, you know, 
be popular and these were things that music was kind of giving me at the time yeah but then at this particular point i realized that no actually i don't want to be those things and there's more to life than just you know making music it was i wanted to do something bigger i wanted to help people i'd and then i went through my whole life like everything i experienced my dad dying or the pain i'd lived through and i felt like i needed to help people in some way yeah and it's just this it was a very loud message from my kind of my gut, my intuition. And I just stayed true to it. And I walked out of the meeting and they were like, you know, like, Vex, what's going on? And I thought, this is what you wanted. And I was like, I, this is what I thought I wanted. And sometimes you have to be shown everything that you thought you wanted to know that actually yeah, that's not for you. It I takes mean, a lot actually to do that because I think that we can be very driven by status and and money and from other percep- other people's perceptions of our own success yeah and from the outside looking at and just factually that could look like well what are you doing like you've got this amazing deal from a huge record label you're working with chart top and stars you're killing it in the game why would you want to walk away from that but it's what makes you happy isn't necessarily what is societally cooler important you know and you it, I think it can take a lot of courage to walk away from... It, it, did, it did take a lot of courage, and I think you hit the nail on the head because as soon as I walked away from that, people were like, what are you doing? Like, here's your chance to be this rich, famous yeah. person making music, which you yeah. absolutely love. What are you doing? And then I also left my corporate job to help people. But yeah. I, I had no idea what helping people looked like. I had, you know, this emerging brand, but... As you know, every business has successes and failures. And, take time. And, it, you know, things do take time. You have to learn a lot of things to actually get things right. And, you know, I literally felt lost. I was just like, what am I doing? I started questioning myself, but I just had this feeling deep in my gut. And I've learned to trust that. And, you know, people will say, especially in the kind of spiritual new age world, is that this trusting your intuition is a feminine quality almost. But here I was listening, you know, trusting my gut, listening to my intuition and thinking, I don't need to be this guy that's got this, you know, that's seen as this kind of powerhouse in the music industry. I don't need to be this guy with all the money and all the honeys or whatever you want to say. You know, I don't need to be this guy. I just need to be someone that's living purposefully, living with a bit of joy because when you when you kind of lack that sense of purpose you almost feel like you're living aimlessly you feel lost yeah and this is what happened I always felt because of the life I went through the poverty I went through I always felt like money would be the solution but here I was in a corporate job earning good money and making money through my music and actually I'd started my brand and I had income coming in through there as well so I had this money the money issue was kind of sorting itself out yeah but I still wasn't fulfilled so I was, I was like, why is that? Yeah, w- there must be more to life. And everything started making sense when I was courageous and left the music industry and my corporate job. Yeah. And, it, you know, it took time. And I think this was a very testing period for me. I bet. Because it sounds like actually you entered into, you put yourself back into more of a chaotic situation where there was a lack of guaranteed income there was a lack of certainty about yeah. what you would define yourself as in your profession but you fundamentally felt more fulfilled despite that yeah it's it's strange you know what I, I told myself when I was younger um and you know like you know I was, I was in a family with two sisters and a single mum, and you know we didn't have much money I had to kind of almost make my own money for my lunches yeah and I did that by hustling you know yeah. I sold like Pokemon cards for yeah. example I'd buy a packet Luckily, I'd like land on a good Pokemon. I don't know anything about Pokemon, by the way. I'd just start selling cards. Man, and that was me as a kid. Loved it. Yeah. But I, you know, Pokemon was such a big thing. And I was, I was making loads of money selling Pokemon cards. And yeah. I'd sell like CDs and I'd sell anything I could yeah. just to make money. And I, I, t- I reminded myself that, you know, I'd been in much worse situations. Yeah. And that if things really got bad, I had it within me to find a way out and that's what I had reminded myself but I almost stuck myself back in the deep end because I didn't have this luxury of um, an income from my corporate job I didn't have I almost took all my labels away because I was known as this guy that was a in a corporate job but was also a music producer and you know when I went to parties and so forth people would know me as this music producer and suddenly I'm, I'm no one yeah. I'm a I'm a bum as some people labeled me. That's how people labeled me. People labeled me as a bum. You know, I had nothing almost and Yeah. Here's this guy that you know, people thought I was a bit of a hippie trying to help people and 
I had no cause. I had no end game. I was just someone that just wanted to help people just and getting through life. Yeah, and people found it found it weird. But you know, I I just trusted myself. I trusted myself, and I trusted that the universe, God, or whatever you like to call it, had a kind of a bigger plan for me. And yeah. fortunately, you know, things have worked out um, well. And I'd still say, you know, I'm still quite new to this, but you know, now. I've got an opportunity or I've had an opportunity to coach so many people, including like celebrities and like online influencers. And I literally am helping people. And I I go to sleep, honestly, with so much joy, gratitude and love in my heart, like every single day. And I wake up so happy because it I'm doing that way. And I, it's because I'm doing what I truly love. And it's not easy. And if anyone is going to, you know, dive into a passion or pursue something greater it it will be challenging yeah but you just have to trust yourself and you have to trust whatever's out there that you know there's something there's a greater plan for you i love that i think that's like a really nice place for us to to wrap up but before you go you spoke about having private clients so um this last section of the show is called cliche corner okay um if you if a younger you was your client what advice would you give to a younger a younger vex I would always say, um, you know, for me, this is really simple, actually. I would I would tell myself to just stay true to myself. I always had this inkling that I was kind of meant for more and that I should be helping people. When I was going through everything that I was going through, I felt like there was a purpose. I didn't want to believe it, right, because it sounded strange. But I did feel like I was being put through this test to then help people. Yeah. I knew I had to overcome whatever was I was facing, because I had it within me to overcome those things and then teach people how to overcome their own battles. But I was listening to so many other voices. And I think we do that. We listen to other people. Other pe- we seem to th- think that other people know more about our life or our character and calling than we do. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we've got this massive gift that we've been given and it's called uh, our intuition our gut it's our inner gps and yeah. if we follow that i think you'll you'll end up in the right place i'm not saying that your journey is going to be simple or you're, you're going to elude obstacles and challenges but i think you're always going to end up at the right place the place you need to be the place where you're going to be able to shine the brightest i think so if i could give myself advice um as a younger kind of me, I would say, you know, stay true to yourself, mute the noise of the world and listen, listen to your soul because it knows what's best for you. Okay, awesome. Vex, thanks so much for joining us. Oh no, thank you for having me. I love the conversation. Thanks, man. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Vex King on XY with me, Ewan Plater. If you're enjoying the show, then please do rate and reviews on iTunes as it certainly does help us climb the podcast charts. That's all there is this week, but I certainly hope to welcome you back again next week for another episode. Bye for now.